Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinimi.com slash podcast. All right, on to our episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Starting a Counseling Practice podcast with Azinimi. We are here to share you stories of starting and maintaining, growing, revamping private practices from all over the United States and all over the world, Canada, UK, all the rest of it. Today, we have the amazing Jerry Kiesling here sharing his story of developing a private practice And I hope you're going to enjoy this conversation and Jerry's just amazing heart um, as much as we do over here. Welcome, Jerry. Thank you. (laughs) Do you want to share with people um, where your practice is located, uh, your niche, and your web address? All right. I'm located with a physical address in Columbia, Missouri, and I provide... uh, online therapy to all parts of Missouri, which a lot of it is very rural. And it's very exciting to be able to reach people who can't drive in or don't have services nearby. My website is www.counselingmidmo.com. Awesome. So this is a question I always like to start with. In a minute or less, why did you decide to become a therapist? So I worked in nursing home and a hospital for a long time and went back and got my bachelor's degree and then in a few years got my master's degree and then I was the director of a day center for seniors and when I left that job I decided what about what I've done all these years really made me tick and it's really sitting down and spending time with people and really helping them on a deep level and that's why I became a therapist that's awesome. So what, uh, if you don't mind, like what stage of life or what age were you when you decided to actually go through the training to become a therapist? Well, I was about 30 when I did my master's degree mm-hmm. and I used a lot of those skills for the next 20 years. Mm-hmm. And then I decided, you know, I really need to do something that makes a bigger difference in people's lives. Mm-hmm. So it's this place of Hey, I went to this master's degree. I was using it in this other like kind of adjacent space, but it was later when you're like, no, like I really just want to do therapy with people. Like I want to just really be like fully in the heart with them. Right. And the uncanny thing about it is when I was doing a college prep class in high school, they were talking about what do you want to be? Why should you be who you want to be? And that paper talked about being a counselor or therapist. And uh, here I am. (laughs) Who knew? I'm trying to recall what mine said. I don't think it said a therapist, oddly enough. But I was, I told people I want to be a psychologist at five years old. I was in the peer counseling program that was brand new at my high school. And so I was always kind of pointed in that direction, um, for sure. So at the point that you decided to become a therapist, like really do therapy and open up your private practice, what were the first things that you kind of noticed in that process as you started transitioning from, hey, I've been a director at this 
huge organization. I've worked in these other other spaces in these supervisorly and leadership roles. How did things shift as you moved into starting something for you? Well, a lot of times we're doing things because it's the policy of the organization or it's what you're supposed to do or it's what you think you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And what I began to notice is that all of those rules that I thought were true maybe weren't quite so true and that I could really just be more quiet and listen to my heart Mm. and my needs and figure out how does that fit in my life. Mm, I love that. Can you give me, if, if one comes to mind, an example of one of those like rules or things that were pushed upon you that you realized, oh, this isn't, it's not really accurate. Well, when I envisioned my practice, I thought, oh, well, I'll just have to take whoever calls me and provide therapy to anyone and do evening hours and take insurance. And my practice looks very, very different. I'm Mm -hmm. a different practitioner because I have my own niche. Yeah. What does your practice look like today? So I'm able to see clients when it fits best for me when I do my best work. I'm a morning person. If you know me, I'm going to be up (laughs) at four in the morning making coffee, drinking coffee. So if you need to see me at 7 a.m., let's go. Let's have a session. And I'm going to be ready for you. That was me. I actually used to do 6 a.m., like 90-minute sessions. It was great. But if you saw me at 6 p.m., I was struggling and it was this, and I felt like, honestly, I felt some like kind of guilt and shame about that for a while of, well, why can't I just like figure this out and do it? And then I was like, no, like some people really like to do things in the morning. Like, why can't I just be honest about who I am and how I work? Because I want to do, I just want to do beautiful work with people. I want them to feel good. I want me to be feel good. I don't want to go to therapy at 6 p.m. even as a client. Like I'm kind of done for the day. I don't want to do either. Definitely. And that's true for me because I don't want to be in the session with my clients when I'm half of what I could be. And, uh, you know, it's amazing that there's a group of people who really do want to have therapy early in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Were you surprised by that? Honestly, I was. And that uh, I could put the sessions on the days that worked best for me. Yeah. And what I found was that I wasn't resenting those days in the office. Mm. It was, it's exciting to be able to go and see where my clients are because I've got the other days to do whatever I want to do, you know, do my administrative work, do things at home, refresh, do those things. Yeah. How many days did you decide work well for you in terms of seeing clients? So I uh, do two days in the office, Monday and Tuesday. And then on Thursday, I do a morning online. Okay, awesome. And how does that work for you energetically to have have like some nice solid breaks during the week. It's really good because when we work with people, we take on some of their stress and what they're going through. 
and spend some of our brain activity and energy on how do I help this person do better? Yeah. And if I had to be in the office every day, my brain wouldn't get that rest. Yeah. So I'm not, I wouldn't be fresh when I came into the session with the next person. Yeah. Now, would you consider yourself an introvert, an extrovert or an ambivert? Well, I'm probably more of an introvert. Yeah. But when you're my client, it's like, come <laughs> with me. Let's work on this together. And uh, so definitely. Yeah. I think that's the piece that isn't talked about that a lot of introverts and I'm an ambivert. So I'm someplace in the middle. Mm -hmm. Like I love working with people one-on-one. It feels so good. And I need to have like quiet time. That's just all my own in order to recharge. Like that's so important. And I think there's something in the way that we're trained and these expectations that kind of start to eat away at our soul at a certain point. Like if I don't have time to recharge, I'm going to pull the energy from somewhere. I'm not going to not show up for my clients. So then I start pulling from places that should be kept as reserved for an emergency. I can't do that all the time. Well, I'll, I'll say a little more about being an introvert. And uh, I had a client in one of my jobs whose son was a social worker and uh, he came to the program and wanted to talk to staff about his dad. And I was standing nearby and he looked around and he said, I didn't even know you were here. You were so quiet. Mm -hmm. And then he said to me, quiet people make good assessments. And I'll never forget that. And I think sometimes we can discount our being an introvert as a negative. But, you know, that is one of my strengths. I'm going to listen to you till you're done telling yeah. me about yourself. And your story is going to mean a lot in our sessions. Mm -hmm. And I think even that, like, I think that discounting of the, even the listening that happens in between sessions, I don't know about you, but I've definitely had that experience of, you know, just kind of sitting, maybe you're going for a walk, you're doing something else. And then suddenly you get this like aha moment regarding a client or regarding a situation. And it's like, without that rest, I wouldn't have been able to like see the bigger picture or see the clarity that I needed to, to be, to really help the person move forward. Right. And I think the schedule that I have allows me to really keep the story of my clients that helps us move quicker through therapy. Yeah. Now tell me in terms of starting a business and even like the marketing, um, how has that process been as a, as an introvert, but also as a business person who'd done a lot of work beforehand, how did it shift in terms of starting your own practice and starting to kind of put yourself out in the world? How did that feel? Well, I think for me, I thought that the marketing would be a certain way, would mm. be um, doing things out in the public a whole lot more, uh, a whole lot different than what I am doing now. But um, it was, it is difficult sometimes to be seen as a therapist. Uh, our reputation is ours to uphold and uh, we're beholden to what we do as a professional. And sometimes that can be scary to step out in that. 
and say, this is what I do. I'm good at it. To say that I'm good at it and to know that I'm good at it because I'm working with my clients and they're giving me a feedback on what I can do better. So I really had to sit and or take some time and decide, what do I do well? Like I'm a note writer. I'm a letter writer. And uh, I have a geriatric care manager who refers to me often. And she told me one day, your notes and cards really mean the most to me. And uh, they can just be, I was on a retreat that I did by myself, as you may know. And I wrote her a, a note that just said, you've really helped me in this last year. And I want you to know what it meant to me. Mm. And uh, you know, that really deep personal connection that we have with people as introverts. Yeah. I just love that, Jerry. Mm-hmm. Right. I just love that. I think that like that piece of even you hear people sometimes talk about like, oh, send a thank you note, send a thank you card after someone refers to you. That can be a beautiful thing. But that place of there are sometimes people can do that as a as a rote experience. Like I'm going to check off the box. Thanks for the referral. Here's a Starbucks gift card or whatever the thing is that they're doing versus like really looking at it and going like, wait, what is the real thing? Like, can I build trust? Could I build vulnerability with this person? Can I allow myself to be kind of seen? What does that feel like to really create like a deep connection and bond with somebody because you really respect what this person is doing and they really respect what you're doing? And like, can we take it beyond this? What sometimes can feel transactional in the business world. You know, sometimes people get in these very transactional relationships as opposed to like, oh, like I really like we really appreciate one another. And like, can we can we take that to this heartfelt level? Definitely. And I think it is such a synergy that exists when that happens, because your clients get the services of two very, very competent people. And that's what they're coming to you for is to make their lives better. Yeah. And I think that's another piece, too. Like one of the. I think it can be hard sometimes when we talk about like networking as part of marketing, right? Getting to know other business people. It is kind of people get this vision of I need to go out with my business card and I need to like put it in like 20 people's hands or 50 people's hands um, as opposed to like, hey, you know, my clients actually have a lot of people that they need. They need a lot of resources. And I want to be really present for my clients and I want to have resources for them. So what would it look like for me to get to know people deeply and figure out if these are people that I would trust to refer my clients over to? And if they're the right people, then they're also doing the same thing. They're trying to figure out if I'm trustworthy because we refer to people we like, know, and trust. And so if we go out, sometimes even just if if we shift mentally from I'm going out to network and market too. I'm going out to um, create a community of people that I like, know, and trust that I can connect my clients to because I really want to help them. And I want them to know that there's resources out there. I, I remember once I had a client 
they were having like a panic about like people coming to visit and they had this room that was like problematic in terms of they had like a cat that had been peeing in the room and people were coming to visit and they were just having this like emotional meltdown about it. And like, as a therapist, my role is not to fix that. And I knew someone who'd been doing carpet cleaning for all the women in my networking group who all had animals and who had raved about, oh my gosh, they got the smell of the animals out. What did she need? Did she need to like sit and do therapy with me about the emotional experience of it or the shame of this room, you know, not feeling like, you know, she could have other people in her house or did she just need a resource? (laughs) She just needed a resource to get her carpets clean. And then she was like, oh my God, this saved me. And like, I, I released myself from this and now I didn't have to sit in the shame cycle. I needed to take action, but just having those kinds of sometimes really simple connections can make such a big difference. I think that's that little piece of, I was trained as a, as a, therapist, but my first jobs were in kind of social work positions. So I just look at like the systemic big issue of, can we just, sometimes there's just a resource, you know? Definitely. And I think the thing that we always have to remember is the way that we talk to our clients or others talk about us makes such a difference in their experience with that resource. Because Uh, I've had elder law attorneys who have known their clients since they were 40 and now they're 90 Mm. and a family member has died and the surviving spouse arrives at the appointment to get paperwork changed and they really have known this person for a long time and they see how broken this person is and they don't want their client who they've known for many years to be that broken. They want better things for their clients and rightfully so and so uh, when they know the kind of work that we do and the way we help it's easy for them to talk to their clients and it's easier for their clients to have higher trust and start the process of doing therapy how many 90 year olds do you know wake up in the morning thinking Oh, I've got to go find a therapist. (laughs) That doesn't happen. (laughs) Right. But I have clients who are 90 who have been referred to me by others in the community and who know what kind of help I give. And that's the relationship that does that. Yeah. I think this is the piece too. I think, you know, this is why we really talk about like no, no, cookie cutter plans when it comes to marketing, the amount of people who will talk about like, oh, here's the one plan. You just got to use Google ads, or you just got to get your SEO, or you just have to do, you know, Facebook or Instagram when it really does depend. The best marketing for your practice is so dependent on the kind of clients you're seeing, right? Like SEO marketing for a nine-year-old client right? You could market to maybe their child or their grandchild who's looking for services. But even that, that isn't going to necessarily translate to the trust built that that person's going to come and drag their 90-year-old, you know, parent into therapy. It's important. It's important for you to have a web presence. There's lots of resources you want. You want to be findable, like all the pieces of that. But at the same time, there needs to be this other part of if I'm just waiting for my 90-year-old people to come 
popping in on SEO, right? So we're we're finding these like balance points of here are the people I can find just online. Here's how I can show up for the people who are looking for me so that I can build new relationships and connections. And here are the other things that are really unique to my particular practice and the people I need to connect to. Definitely. Because I think in the beginning, when you have shiny, when I had shiny object syndrome, it's like, oh, here, this article says I need to be doing this. And that article says I need to be doing that. And this therapist over here says, do this. And so it feels almost like being on a a treadmill that's going way too fast. And it's at the end of the day, you know, my website really speaks to the person that I want to care for and how I help. And so once I get a referral, a lot of times from a family member or a service provider in the community, I say, have you seen my website? And then that allows them to really hear my voice Mm, and really see what I do. Yeah. So it even helps with the personal referrals and the other pieces of that, of like giving more like weight to that. Definitely. And I think at the end of the day, when I, uh, so I supervise another social worker who's getting their license and that person's telling me about how many people call in and don't come to therapy and don't arrive, don't call, sometimes quit before they're finished. And I think that my clients are vested in what they're doing be, when they start and they want to come. Yeah. And I don't have as many people calling and saying, I can't come, or they'll say, hey, I have this going at the time our therapy is, but I really want to see you. Can you put me on for later in the week? Yeah, that's beautiful. I think too, like, I I mean, you mentioned it earlier in passing, that outcomes part of things of you're checking in with your clients, you're staying connected, you're finding out what is and isn't working, you're collaborating with them, right? Like you're, you're as invested in them as they are, And so you're a team working together as opposed to this sense that, you know, I don't know, like sometimes I think we get in our heads as therapists and we forget that like this should be this team collaborative work that we're moving together with it. And it's just so clear that you're a very collaborative human. Right. That joining piece that I'm, I want to join with you and see where you're wanting to be taken. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. So as you think about um, your private practice, what is your absolute favorite thing about being a therapist in private practice? Oh, is that I can be in session with my clients, helping them work on what they want to work on. Mm. That's the, the ultimate. And that's why I became a therapist, because I wanted to spend that time. And uh, a long time ago, I did the Clifton Strengths or the Strengths Finder inventory. And one of my big strengths is individualization. And it's like, hey, I want to know your story. I want to know what makes you tick. I want to know what you want to do. And let's try to figure out together how you get there. Yeah, beautiful. And what would be your biggest piece of advice if there's someone out there that like resonates with your story or resonates with kind of 
who you are and they're going, oh, I, I want that too. Um, what would be your best piece of advice for them in terms of building a life like you've built? Well, I think as I look back on it, those moments when I've been able to get quiet mm-hmm. and just listen to me, have that relationship that I want with my clients, with myself and listen to me and what I want and what I need. And that may be an eight mile hike. It may be something different, but uh, that's that's my compass. Mm, I love that. I think there are, and I and I love even that juxtaposition from, oh, I'm following you know this blog and this article and this podcast, and I'm and I'm on this treadmill and I'm spinning everywhere too. I'm getting quiet, and I'm really tapping in, and I'm looking for myself. I have this internal compass that I know what it feels like to get there, and that's. That's what's directing me at each moment. Definitely. And there's a, a, I always think about those rocks that are stacked up at trailheads or at the end of trails. And I always feel like a lot of times when clients come to my, to therapy with me, that has been knocked over mm-hmm. and they have the opportunity to restack those in the way that makes the most sense for them. Mm-hmm. And that's sometimes those stones are really heavy and it may take a minute to rest after you put one in place or take a deep breath or regenerate. And I think that's, that's true for us as therapists. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I love this. I love what you do, Jerry. <laughs> truly, truly. Oh my goodness. So for those of you, can we do like, well, let's do like a little recap, right? You don't have to be extroverted to have a successful practice. You don't have to do all the marketing things to have a successful practice. You don't have to look to everybody else to have a successful practice. You need to connect in with your inner compass. You can really create the kind of practice that you deeply desire and that works within your life. And you can just do amazing work with clients. Did we, exactly. did we miss anything? <laughs> no, that's it in a nutshell, but, but it's a lot. It is a lot. And it, and I think too, like, obviously it didn't come overnight. You put a lot of work and attention and energy um, into what you're doing, which is beautiful. Um, and it's just, it's, it's so delightful to see you in this place and getting to work with the people that you really love and just seeing your delight <laughs> as you talk yeah. about them. Makes you so happy. All right. Well, until next time, y'all. I hope you loved today's episode. If you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours, low pay, and constantly battling burnout, don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable, profitable solo or group practice. Head over to zinnime.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.